appeared to touch it. Ball goes out of bounds. Nobody touch it. Cavs get it under the basket. Oh, no. Abaka and Chris exchanging blows. And they'll have to go to the replay monitor now to see if there are possible ejections. It's not great, you know, right, that, that this happens. And obviously it's not great, the ramifications of the, the punishment. Um, and, and it's not great even from the big picture. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's something that he's, he's done really well this year, I thought, emotionally, just in general, right? Like, um, he's just had a great season, right? And um, he's been a good teammate and, and all that stuff. So it's, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit of a bummer, right, from that standpoint that, he, that he's got to go through it and, and we've got to go through it. It's just another little, you know, another little thing that we've got to handle. Right and, and move on from it and, and learn from it if we can. Um, and look at the positives, right? We've already mentioned one. Mark gets a little, a little more run and a little more rhythm, and, and Serge gets a little rest. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. All right, here we go. Welcome to episode 104 of the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene.tv network and part of the Overtime Media crew. There's been a lot going down in Raptors land this week. Some people got suspended. By some people, I mean one. And uh, there's ramifications for the team, and we're going to break it all down. Joining me today to discuss all things Toronto Raptors, Richard Burfer of Pick and Pod, the official podcast of BallandRoll.com. Richard, man, how's it going? How's it going, dude? I'm just living my best life over here in Toronto. How are you, man? I'm all right, man. Like I said, I got to catch up to you because it's not that I'm living a bad life. It's just that there's so much stuff going on that I got to, like, catch up. So it's not, I guess you could say I'm living my best life, you know? Sure. I just feel being a college student at St. Paddy's weekend, I got to at least be a little happy. (laughs) Uh, No matter what happens in sports, I'm just going to drink all my pains and sores away in the day. Well, look, the Raptors are bouncing back off a, a, a positive win, right? We, this is a good thing. We're, we're recording this on a good note on yep. a Saturday afternoon. So it could be worse. We could be recording this after the Cleveland game. That's very true. The Raptors did sweep uh, LeBron James, which is probably the greatest thing to ever happen to this team. Um, but, but yeah, the, I, I just... I just feel like the season is just kind of dragging on for a really, really long time at this point, and I'm just getting ready for the playoffs to start. I think you speak for a lot of people because it's getting to the point where, I don't know how the weather is up in Canada, but we're, we're getting to the point where right now, here in New England, it's that teetering line of cold weather in the morning and at night but semi-warm weather in the in the afternoon so you get that feeling in your bones that you just want spring to come and with spring you got the playoffs and everything and i think people are a little bit on edge and a little bit antsy for the playoffs to begin yeah i mean i don't know what's going on down there but yesterday it started to snow so there's snow everywhere (laughs) up here in london so i'm right back in the winter mode and um, I kind of brought this up on my podcast a while ago. Um, I might have. I don't actually remember. But I feel like the NBA season should just completely be shortened. I think 82 games is just in, an insane amount. And now we just see guys take, you know, taking days off because of load management and stuff. And people start to complain. But I just feel like the season is just too long. If it was like 60, 62 games, that would just be incredible in my mind. 
do you think that would limit load management? Because I think they manipulate it almost the same way. I, I mean, I feel like it would because then there wouldn't be any back-to-backs. I think back-to-backs are horrible. Yeah. I mean, 82-game schedule, guys play a game at 7 o'clock, get out, a game ends at 10, get into the showers, change everything, get on a plane, fly somewhere else, and then play another game less than 24 hours later. That's horrible. I mean, if I was a basketball player going through the beating that they do, I don't want to be on load management every single time on back-to-backs, you know? So I feel like the NBA kind of has to get rid of it. I see no point of it. And you just see the interest in every single NBA game is just diminishing because there's just so many games. You kind of have a sense of who's making the playoffs 40, 40, 45 games into the season. Like, we know the Washington Wizards suck. Yeah. But they got to play 60 more times. I, you know? I think that's fair. I, I, I don't know. I just think there is... When it comes to back-to-backs, I, I agree with you. I think they should limit that or completely eliminate it altogether. Yeah. Um, and you're right. Pretty much by All-Star break, it, everyone knows who's making the playoffs. Or there's a there's a good shot of one through five or one through six remaining the same, mm-hmm. whereas that seven-eight seed or six-seven-eight seed, however you want to classify it, is usually a toss-up. But those teams are such garbage anyway that it's not exciting to see who's going to be the eighth seed in the playoffs. Exactly. Like I don't care if Orlando, if the Orlando Magic made the eighth seed, they're gonna get swept by Milwaukee. <laughs> You know? I don't think people in Orlando care if they make the play. I don't. I don't think they do. I. I wouldn't. Orlando's so nice. Why do you have to watch uh, an Orlando Magic team just that just never wins? Their owner has guaranteed that they're going to win the championship by twenty thirty two. So I mean that that entire organization is kind of like a joke at this point. You know what I think the NBA should do, and it, it's kind of a bitch slap that they do it when the NFL is over, right? So during the NFL season. They purposely put Sunday night, Sunday games at night. There are no during the day games because they know they just can't compete and they'll lose ratings and it's not beneficial for them. It's not advantageous. Mm-hmm. Whereas after football season, they start to have these midday games and I think it throws the players off completely, especially mm-hmm. if you're putting those Sunday games on back to backs, which is typically when they happen. So mm-hmm. if they're not going to get rid of back to backs, they at least should maintain the evening schedule for Sundays. None of this bullshit of th- 12 o'clock or three o'clock games because you can see when they're playing, they're just all over the place, and their their attitude and their mindset and their laziness just ex- it's just out there. Yeah, I can I can completely agree with that. I think that should just stick with football, and I mean even baseball. I don't I don't enjoy one o'clock basketball games. Guys wake up and they just look kind of lethargic on the court. No, those suck. Just keep it at seven o'clock. Well, if they're going to implement any changes into the NBA, they're going to have to do it soon because, I don't know, I I don't think that interest is low uh, as a whole, right? If you have, I don't know, seven, eight teams in the playoffs and it's going to be exciting, at least half, a little over half. So you get 16 total teams Mm -hmm. that are carrying the load the rest of the way, whereas teams like Atlanta, Phoenix, Cleveland even, no one cares. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I agree. Um, but speaking of changes, I don't know if you think this is significant. I kind of started some shit on Twitter inadvertently, so I kind of want to clear the air here, but I, I want to get your take first. Isn't um, Twitter is all about just starting shit. Yeah. <laughs> inadvertently too, sometimes on purpose, but, um, the bio steel center is no more and is now known as the OVO athletic center. Um, 
I just wanted to gauge your your thoughts on this. Is this significant to you? Does this matter? Or is this something that's sort of overblown and Drake's influence on the team and the city is just so omnipresent that, okay, we're just going to name something else OVO? I mean, I think this is all part of a big, giant scheme by Drake to take over Canada and <laughs> doing an incredible job. Um, personally, no, I don't, I don't really care. I think it's a little overblown. Um, I actually think the, the new look and the rebranding kind of looks pretty sick. Um, as long as the guys go in there and practice and play basketball, I don't, I mean, I don't care if Drake has a key to get into there. Like chances are he had a key to get into into the last facility before the rebranding to play basketball with his boys. Um, but I think that this partnership with Drake has done a lot for the Raptors too. Like it kind of exposes them to international markets because of just how huge Drake is. Um, like here's a little story. My, um, one of my roommates in college is from Thailand and he loves Drake and Drake is huge down there in Thailand, but the Raptors aren't huge in Thailand. He comes here and he's watching Raptor games with me. I'm like, why do you care about the Raptors? He's like, because like Drake is all over them. Like they have these Drake logos like that. It's, it's part of marketing. I think it's a great idea. Like you're using a guy for his clout. I'm all for it. I agree. I don't think it's a bad thing. And I think this is the disconnect that I had with some people on Twitter regarding the name change. Yeah. I was just worried about the longevity mm-hmm. of the OVO center being like a thing. Right. And I know practice facility names, they change that. That's not unusual, mm-hmm. but I just being down here in new England, I'm not familiar with anything being this big, mm-hmm. right? I I've never seen uh, a figure in pop culture have so much influence and in not just a city, but in the sports world as well. So I, I just wasn't sure how long this was going to last, if this would be a flash in the pan, but people assured me, that no, this is this could has the potential to be a mainstay in terms of the name for like 10, 20 years. I mean, I'm all for it. I feel like Drake just gets a really bad rap in sports just because of how he just jumps from bandwagon to bandwagon and a lot of fans just don't like it. Like they see him at a Raptor game sitting front court and front um, in the front. And then he's at a Clippers game and then he's at a like Laker game and then he's repping Kentucky jerseys, you know? Um, but I, th- I think when you think about this whole partnership between Drake and the Raptors, it's a purely a business. It's a business venture for both sides. And it's, I mean, it seems like the Raptors are getting quite a lot out of it simply because I mean, you can make an argument that Drake is the most popular artist in the world right now. Everybody knows him, no matter if you're in Canada, no matter if you're like my roommate in Thailand. I mean, I'm all for it. I don't, if people dislike it, I don't really get it. Um, I think the rebranding, rebranding looks kind of sick. So, I mean, I'm all for it, and I can totally see it being around for 10, 20 years. Yeah. All right. Well, that that was just the disconnect because... Look, I'm for it too, and I know that just based on what I've read, the research that I've done, even before the rebranding, um, he's done a lot for the city, like rebuilding and you know uh, improving basketball courts, outdoor basketball courts, like just donating to the city. I get it, and I don't want to take anything away from that. I have nothing against the man at all. I was just wondering, mm, is this is this something that's going to last? And the people assured me for sure it definitely will. I mean, the people who are complaining about Drake are the same people who probably have the black and yellow gold, uh, the black and gold Raptor jerseys. <laughs> I mean. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. All right. I just wanted to clear the air there. It's not a huge yeah. deal. It's just something that I've noticed. But 
This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, let's get into the meat of the podcast here. So we're 69 games into the season, and the Raptors remain second in the Eastern Conference. They have a record of 49 and 20, and the Bucks stand in their way a solid three games ahead as the first seed in the Eastern Conference. And I don't know if I'm alone here, but I don't think the Raptors really have a chance to catch up and reclaim first place. Anything's possible, but the smart money is Toronto remaining in second all the way. So with 13 remaining games, how do you feel about this team as they inch towards the playoffs? I mean, who knows, really? One day they play really, really well, and another day they just kind of lay an egg like they did against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, The difference between the Raptors and Milwaukee, I feel, is that Milwaukee seems like they have hit their ceiling. And I just can't imagine them playing any better than they are like this entire season. While while I feel that like the Raptors just have a second gear and we kind of see it every now again. And, and then like we see it against Boston, like we see it at times against the Lakers. And I think it all just comes down to the team's chemistry, everybody getting back healthy. Like Fred Van Vliet is hurt, but he should be back sometime soon. Um, the, the Raptors still haven't really gotten that chemistry going with Marcus Gasol in the fold, with Jeremy Lin in the fold. But now they have 13 games left. Uh, hopefully they kind of put it together. Um, I completely forgot what your question was. But, um, I, yeah, I, I feel like the Raptors are going to probably stay at se- in second. I, I don't think uh, Milwaukee's going to relinquish it just be- because of how well they play. And, I mean, 13 games left. Milwaukee's probably going to go nine and nine and four, nine and three, however amount of games they have. And I don't think the Raptors can do enough to reclaim that spot. You answered the uh, question correctly. Cause it was just a general feeling of how you, you are with the team. Um, I, I agree with you. I just think that there is an issue with, you know, we have 13 games left and you mentioned, we don't know that the team has hit their ceiling yet. Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. Mm-hmm. I find it to be a bit behind the curve if we're saying that the Raptors haven't hit their ceiling yet because I know they had additions, mm-hmm. right? And I know you have to reestablish some sort of chemistry with these new players. I get it. But I don't know that 13 games is enough to fall into a groove, especially when the remaining schedule looks to be a little easier yeah. than the previous games throughout the entire season. So especially the first month, mm-hmm. um, I do think that, Time is running very quickly here, and they need to all get on the same page very quickly. And I just am not confident that 13 games is enough time to do that. Well, when is Fred Van Vliet supposed to get back? Is it supposed? It's a big question mark. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be in the next game game or two. That's oh really? Yeah, I think so. And what I really want to see is just how. Uh, Freddie meshes with guys like Marcus Gasol and Jeremy Lin, because when the Jeremy Lin uh, acquisition happened and Jeremy Lin essentially uh, replaced Dylan Wright, I just felt like Jeremy Lin would just be such a better, he would be a better addition uh, to that second unit uh, because he just gives them more, the Raptors a little more offensively than Dylan Wright then. And I think he would just play really, really well um, off ball um, with, with Fred Van Vliet, you know? So, I think getting Freddie back is just so important. Then you just see what Marcus Hall is capable to do with uh, the second unit. And I mean, once the playoffs get going, I'm assuming that the rotation is going to get a little tighter. It's going to go eight, nine guys deep, which is hopefully going to help the Raptors out. And you're not playing with 11 guys. You're trying to just mix and match different stuff. And something I actually saw while watching the Laker game is I really, really like, 
Pascal Siakam playing at the five. I think it's great. And I think the Raptors should just maybe play around with that a little bit uh, these next 13 games and see what happens. Because, I mean, you if you watch the Laker game and you and you watch Pascal at the five and everybody else is just athletic and they're running, I, I kind of like that a lot. And with just pace of play being so important in the NBA today, um, I think the Raptors just need to constantly run to just put pressure on the on the other team. That's when the Raptors are at their best when they're running and having Pascal at the five, that's when you kind of see things happen and you're just like, okay, this is what the Raptors are capable of when they, when they get their rotations, right? I do like that aspect in that rotation, him at the five, they've utilized that a few times, a handful of times throughout the season. And uh, I like it when they run small like that. Another uh, rotation that I've seen, and I, I it was <laughs> really quick during the LA game. Mm-hmm. Kawhi in the bench, and I've never seen that this year at all. Nurse finally fiddled with it a little bit, and he's playing with guys like Miller and Boucher and even McCaw and Kawhi. Like, it's just a weird combination. I think OG was on the floor as well, and Mm -hmm. Kawhi was actually playing the five. And friend of the podcast, Peter K mentioned, I think this is going to be a secret weapon that Nurse utilizes in the playoff, having Kawhi play the five and running small. Maybe not with those four other individuals, because I think that would put the Raptors at a disadvantage. But it was just something that I noticed that, wow, this has never happened before. Usually when you see plus bench lineups, it's either Lowry plus bench or uh, Siakam plus bench, as you mentioned. But Kawhi plus bench, oh, man, that was intriguing. Mm-hmm. And... The thing is, a lot of people give Nick Nurse a lot of shit, but I mean, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard said it best. This is 82 games of practice. Like, what Nick Nurse is ultimately doing, he's just kind of trolling the rest of the NBA and just trying different rotations out and seeing whatever sticks. Like, that lineup with Pascal at the five, Leonard with, with the bench. I, I like it. I just you're kind of using the regular season as a guinea pig for what you can do in the, in the postseason. So yeah, sometimes different lineups aren't going to work, aren't going to gel, but you kind of got to run them out a couple of times, four or five times just to make sure like, okay, this isn't working. Like the, the Raptors are going to win 50 plus games based on talent alone. So, but the main thing is once the playoffs get gayer, you just need rotations that work and that can combat any, any sort of opposition. And, I think once the playoffs start, you just got to keep playing the matchups. That's why I don't think a guy like Marcus Gasol, I don't think he's going to play as much in the playoffs. I think Marcus Gasol is going to be purely on the court for matchups. At least I hope. So if you see a guy who is like uh, Yusuf Nurkic, yeah, I want to see a guy like Marcus Gasol on the court. But I mean, if, if a team is start is looks a little slow in opposition, I just want your quick athletic and lanky guys getting up on, uh, getting up on the court and just kind of running them out of the building. And I mean, this kind of move with Kawhi Leonard and the bench, I like it. The Raptors just have so much depth that they can kind of play around with things. And obviously the rotation is going to get a little tighter in the playoffs, but I mean, the Raptors have a lot of pieces uh, that they can kind of move pieces around depending on, on, um, on the matchup. Do you worry that the fiddling, the, the flirting and fiddling with the lineups during the regular season by nurse? I know you talked about it in a positive way, but do you worry that that is at the detriment of maintaining and or forming chemistry? Um, I mean, I, I don't think so. I think a lot of people make too big of a deal out of it. But, I mean, these guys do their runs every day in practice. They, I mean, they've played together long enough that, 
I, I feel like the chemistry is going to come together uh, by the end of the season. And then it wouldn't be that big of a problem after that. Just, Hey, this is the Raptors. Can they beat uh, teams X, Y, and Z? That's what I think. And I think the I think the Raptors are going to eventually put it together. Um, you mentioned Malcolm Miller. I really like Malcolm Miller, even though he's like our twelfth option. But he's just a great wing shooter to have on a team that comes off the bench. I think the Raptors have a ton of pieces, and by the time the, the playoffs roll around, I don't think chemistry is going to be that that big of a question. It's all going to come down to execution and Kyle Lowry making his shots and and um, the bigs kind of figuring it out. That's my that's my take. Well, you mentioned the big, so let's just roll into it. This has been the hot topic throughout the entire week, and it's all about Serge Ibaka. Uh, to refresh the memory of people that don't need a refresher, during the game in which we all assumed that the Raptors would dominate, the Cavs came out swinging and defeated the Raptors rather convincingly. Mm-hmm. Um, emotions were running high, as we all know, and tempers were very high as well. Yeah. And it resulted in a scuffle between Ibaka and Marquise Chris. And this isn't the first time that Ibaka has thrown hands and it's also not the first time that he's missed completely but that's a different story um this was a pretty heavy blow to the raptors as serge and Casal have been flip-flopping for the starting center gig depending on matchups as you mentioned but i want to break down this discussion into two parts so first how do you feel about the actions that serge Ibaka committed um was it selfish was it justifiable and second how do you think that the chances of him being the starter at all moving forward um, are do you think that this is Gasol's job now? Period, because of these actions, or do you feel that this is not even an issue to nurse? It's just going to go back to the way it was. Sure. Um, personally, I'm not too happy about what I saw. You got to control your emotions. I know you're getting blown out by a much weaker team, but you, you can't throw hands at dudes. That's not that's not what the game is all about. You got to beat them on the court you shouldn't have to throw punches or anything so i mean he deserved to get suspended for that and i think it's a good thing he got Kawhi leonard on his how hungry are you show which is really big for keeping Kawhi leonard in toronto long term um and as far as uh, the second question i think everything goes back to how it was i think nick nurse is going to keep playing the matchups um and i'm kind of in the same boat i think you got to play the matchups um so I guess we'll kind of see what happens. Um, I'm still curious to see what happens in the playoffs if Nick Nurse kind of changes the way he does things. But uh, for the remainder of the season, um, I, th- I feel like it's just going to be depending on the matchups. And f- if anything, giving Ibaka three games just to rest up, I'm all for it. It's a long season. Giving guys rest is definitely a good thing, especially if you're, the long-term game is succeeding in the playoffs. I think Kyle Lowry has to get a little bit more rest uh, down the stretch. I think Pascal Siakam needs to get a little bit of rest going down the stretch, especially Pascal, because, I mean, the way I see the Raptors, they're just so much better with a guy like Siakam on the court. I want him playing in the playoffs like 40 minutes a game. So if you can get these guys rest while you can, I'm all for it. I agree. I think that Ibaka's actions were extremely selfish. I was... Uh, look, I, I don't know what it's like to be a professional athlete. I do know what it's like to play in rec leagues when people get chippy. I get it. But I mean, like I've never come to blows with people, but I don't know what Chris said. I don't know what really led to this. The surge falling down for that pass seemed a little innocuous and it seemed to be just a little bit of a flop on my view. Like, I don't want to start shit with people again, but it didn't seem 
at all enough to come to blows with with Chris. And I know there's been a longstanding history between Chris and Serge, maybe. Um, Danny Green alluded to that on the podcast. So I, I don't know. But I do think that the Raptors were trailing. They were probably pissed off that they're losing to a Cavs team, as they should be. And when you put yourself in that position, you're putting a me first attitude out there. It's not benefiting the team at all. And I know the team's going to stand up for him. They should, they should have his back, but I don't know. Maybe that game was in the bag. Maybe the Raptors were going to lose that game regardless. But when you remove a guy like Serge Ibaka, who's been deadly at like the elbow and even his rebounding has been, been improving a lot. Um, it's bad when he's removed and it doesn't give the Raptors a better chance on winning a game that they're already behind on. So in that way, I feel like that's something that needs to change. That's something that needs to be cleaned up. And especially in the playoffs, look, surge is, it's not going to get any easier if you face the bucks in the Eastern conference finals. First of all, the crowd is loud as fuck. And second of all, their players are chippy too. They're emotional. They're physical. So are you going to find yourself in a position in the Eastern Conference Finals where you're going to come to blows? I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think that's beneficial for the team. I sure hope not. You got you got to be mature. It's your job at the end of the day. You can't throw punches. Like, I can't go to work and start throwing punches because I'm mad at somebody. Like, I know it's a little bit different in basketball because of the heat of competition. And, I mean, I can't really speak about it because I peaked in high school as an athlete. But... You, you just got to control your emotions. You're down by 20. That means you suck that game. Like you can't just go to blows. That's not how it should work. And hopefully it doesn't happen in the playoffs. And regarding the second half, I do agree with you that the flip-flopping is not going to change. I do think that nurse is just going to continue to do what he has been doing because you don't want, you don't want surge to be even in a, in a worse attitude heading into the playoffs, right? You don't want that bleeding onto your bench. Now is not the time to teach players lessons. It's just not. That happens earlier midseason, not heading into the playoffs. Because when you do that, then you're trying, well, not trying, you're sort of introducing this bad vibe in the locker room. If it starts with one person, it's going to spread throughout the entire locker room. This is not the time to do that. So I do agree with you that it's probably going to maintain as we have seen it. Yeah, and these these guys are veterans. Like you, you have to do a little bit more to just aggravate them. But uh, like, again, why should this three game suspension change anything? Like the Raptors clearly had an idea, an ideology going through through the season. You know, why should this one suspension, these three games, really change anything? Like this whole uh, kind of changing of the lineups. I don't think that's purely. Uh, coach nurse's idea i don't think uh, nick nurse can just make that decision on his own and be like hey this is what we're gonna do we're gonna run it i think it's been a collective decision made by the franchise and i don't think uh three game suspension is going to really impact that i think they're just going to keep rolling with what they got because they believed in it to run it for 69 games so why why stop now you know yeah yeah i again three games such a small small sample and it's not going to change the outcome. They're still going to finish in second, right? It's not going to drop them to third by any means. No, definitely not. They're too good. And I don't, I mean, I think the Pacers and the Sixers are like five games away. Yeah. That's, you can't catch that. No, no. And I think the Raptors have won the series between them both. So they have to not just make up the ground to get to the same amount of wins and losses, but they have to win an additional game that the Raptors lose. I, I just don't see it happening for the remaining 13 games. Something has to go very, very wrong for the Raptors to end up in third yeah. or fourth place right now. 
Do you think that Surge being out for the next two games, and I want to say it's a back-to-back, mm-hmm. does this prevent Kawhi from sitting one of the two games? Um, I don't think so. Um, because you still have to do the whole low management thing. You need to keep your guys uh, healthy. And I mean, I don't think Ibaka should impact that. I don't think at this point the Raptors really care if they get, if they lose a game, you know, um, like it, it could just go down as a schedule loss. I don't think that that should change anything. If it's a back to back, I'm all for resting guys. And the thing is the Raptors are still good enough to compete with teams, even with Kawhi Leonard out, like they still have a ton of talent. Um, I mean, I, I want Kyle Lowry to rest back-to-backs, too. I don't know how many they got left this season, but I just won. There we go. I don't think the, Ra- the Raptors should play Kyle Lowry on back-to-backs. I think Kyle Lowry should get a little bit of rest. And especially if a guy like Fred Van Vliet comes back against, uh, on Sunday or whenever they play their next game, I mean, you got to kind of consider resting guys at this point. You, I think the Raptors understand that it's going to be pretty tough to catch up to Milwaukee, and it's pretty tough for anybody to catch up to them um, behind them. So I don't think these games really matter. It's more so the, the goal of the next like couple of weeks, the next uh, 13 games, is just to keep guys as healthy as possible and just make it to the playoffs in one piece. I'm looking at the remaining 13 games, and from what I'm seeing, there's – just about four games that I would say the Raptors really need to push. The rest of the games, not that bad. So we got Pistons, probably a game you kind of want to push just to give it to Casey if people care about that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the fans care more about giving it to Casey than the Raptors do. Probably. But yeah. I mean, nice. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a home away from home game. So you have a lot of Raptors fans that travel well going to Detroit right down there. So it's probably something that th- those fans, those paying customers care about more than the actual team. But um, then you got two in a row against OKC. Those two games will be probably hard to uh, to g- get a victory over. I have the Thunder going all the way, but that's a story in a bit. Um, then you have the Hornets, whatever. Bulls, whatever. Knicks, whatever. Bulls again, whatever. Magic, Magic whatever. Nets, whatever. Hornets, whatever. Heats, whatever. And Timberwolves, whatever. Like, there's only a handful of games that you really need to push if you're looking for victories. The rest of those should just be steamroll games. There's a lot of easy games, and I guess with this uh, last back-to-back coming up, I'm assuming they're going to play Kawhi Leonard against Detroit, and then they're going to rest him against the Knicks. I mean, I can get some reps against the Knicks, and the Raptors could probably win. <laughs> Sign a 10-day. I, I, I mean, I think I would be a, be, a beneficial addition considering that the Raptors just added Eric Moreland. So, I mean, I can't do that much worse. Uh, imagine that. Imagine if they signed you and you, <laughs> you are the new number 15. You will forever be the guy that is the, the replacement for Vince Carter's number again. That, wow. I can tell my grandkids about that. And the thing is, I probably won't get any floor time. So like 60 years from now, I can just tell my grandkids like, hey, your dad was an all-star. Your granddad was an all-star back in the day. They're not going to go back and check. Uh, It makes you wonder if those players that don't play at all, right? They they just sit the entire game. 
What do they do when everyone's in the locker room? They're just like, all right, I guess, I guess I'll just get dressed and leave. Like, it must be the most awkward thing where everyone's like sweating. Everyone's like, oh, God, I got to take a shower. This guy's like, man, I'm just going to gonna put my jeans on. Well, at that point, I, I'm a big proponent for the chemistry guy on the team. You know, when there's like a big dunk and there's that one guy that jumps up on the bench and just goes <laughs> nuts. That's the chemistry guy. That's the 12th man on the bench who doesn't really play. You really need that. That's, that's kind of like when Cameron Payne was with Oklahoma. Oklahoma City Thunder, and he's doing uh, <laughs> handshakes with everybody. That's invaluable, you know, because players are cre- NBA players. On, I mean, you watch baseball. Every athletes are creatures of habit. Yep. You need that handshake before you get onto the court. So, I mean, they're important. You'll be the handshake guy. There we go. And I, I feel like I can do a lot better than Eric Moreland. <laughs> so, I mean, if there's a ten day contract coming after this episode, I'm all for it. That's a that's eleven handshakes you have to remember though. That's okay. I have like 10 already with with buddies and and my mom. So this is the overtime podcast network. All right, let's move on to the playoff picture. Um, Right now it's, it's weird. The as we mentioned, the Raptors and the bucks, they're going to stay where they are first and second. Um, The rest of the back, the bracket seems to be shifting and it's on a daily basis. It's frustrating. Um, So as of today, the Sixers are back in third Mm -hmm. Pacers are back and forth. Yeah. So how would you like the playoff picture to be painted, assuming that the Raptors stay in second? Is this how it stands right now, how you would like it, or do you think that the Raptors would benefit with the Pacers flipping back to third? I mean, here's the thing with me. A lot of people undervalue the Indiana Pacers, but they have the exact same record as Philadelphia. And Indiana is really good. And people aren't giving them a lot of credit because they don't really have any stars. They don't really have any guys who um, kind of call closers. But the thing is, in Indiana, everybody knows their role. And I think that's a big thing with Milwaukee. Just everybody knows what their role is. And I don't know if Philly has that yet. Philly, just just a lot of talent. And um, like you said earlier, the Raptors, I think, played well against Indiana this season. I think they might have swept them and they might have swept Philadelphia as well um, on the season. So, I mean, I don't, it doesn't really matter to me who the Raptors play. I think Indiana is a lot better than what people think. I think Wesley Matthews was a really good addition for them. And they just, they're kind of like a well-oiled machine. And I think they're going to give some teams a little bit of problems in the playoffs. Um, But ideally, I don't really want to face Jimmy Butler in the playoffs yeah. simply because of what he did to the Raptors when he was with the Bulls. So I kind of just have um, that in the back of my mind. So I would prefer the Indiana Pacers to be in third. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, I think the Raptors, if they really want to compete and go to the finals, it doesn't really matter who they play in the first in the second round. They should be able to beat both those teams. I don't think Philadelphia is as good as people think, and I don't think Indiana is as bad as people think. I think that's fair, and I think that's extremely accurate because I never bought the hype of Philly at all. I, I just I think they're vastly overrated. I think they I think Ben Simmons once you eliminate him because of Kawhi, which he has done every time. It's a five-on-four game. Yeah, and here's the, here's the thing. Um, I kind of had this hot take a little while ago. I think Tobias Harris, on this was on my, my podcast, but I think Tobias Harris fits really, really well with this team. Yes. I don't think Jimmy Butler does. I think a team, if the, if, the Philly, if the Philadelphia 76ers didn't trade away Robert Covington and Darius Sarge for Jimmy Butler, I think this team would kind of work better mm-hmm. because 
this kind of eliminates the purpose of Ben Simmons. I feel like Ben Simmons should be a do- the dominant ball handler, the guy taking the, the, the ball up the court and just really pushing the tempo. But Jimmy Butler is more like an isolation guy. He want, he needs the ball as well. And once Jimmy Butler becomes ball dominant, I mean, what does Ben Simmons do? He's not going to shoot threes. It becomes four and five. And I think that's when uh, Philadelphia kind of is going to get in a lot of trouble. And especially in the playoffs when teams kind of the scouting reports are better, there's more depth um, in the, in the scouting and all the, uh, in, in, in everything going on in the playoffs. I think Philadelphia is going to struggle quite a bit because I don't, I just don't think Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler is a really good, uh, is a really good fit on the same, on the same lineup. And I mean, I, I have a lot of questions about their bench as well. And, that all ties into the fact that they don't have guys like Covington anymore, Dario Saric, or just shooters. Philadelphia lacks a lot of shooters. Tobias Harris is a good shooter. J.J. Redick is a good shooter. But, I mean, coming off the bench, I think that I'll take my chan- my chances with T.J. McConnell. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it makes you wonder, do you think this is a hot take, that they prioritize uh, extending and signing Harris over Butler? Uh, I, I mean, if I was if I was Philadelphia, that's what I would do. Yeah, if I think Tobias Harris is a, a more of a, more of a team guy, he's a much better shooter, and he doesn't need the ball as much as Jimmy Butler does to create stuff. I I'm I'm more of a guy who just kind of I'm I'm more about analytics and more about the numbers. I don't think you need the guy who's like four seconds left you need to give this guy the ball in his hands no i'm more more about hey give me give me my best shooter drop a play for that guy and have him take the best available shot i don't want a guy standing at the top of the key and kind of dribbling the ball dribbling the clock out and just taking a bad percentage shot and maybe it goes in and if it goes in it's because oh it's jimmy butler you know yeah i mean that's why boston boston beats them all the time. I mean, Philadelphia has more star power, but Boston beats them all the time. The Raptors beat them all the time. It's because like you can, you can play against that. Yeah. They beat other teams because they have so much talent, but when they start playing against the elite teams, I think they might've beat, did they play yesterday against the golden state warriors and one? Um, oh no, the Sixers beat the Kings yesterday, but I, I, I mean, I think when they play against the better teams in the league, they struggle. Because there's just so easy to kind of def- scheme against defensively. You got it. Jimmy Butler is going to control the ball a lot. Ben Simmons is useless. And when he becomes useless, it's four and five basketball. And that's a problem. Let me ask you this. And this may be a little controversial to people, but I, sure. I, I brought it up before. I'm think I'm, I think I'm going to stick with it. Do you think that Milwaukee is a lock to get to the Eastern Conference Finals because I'm not a hundred percent convinced. No, I I don't think that. I haven't really seen them ever do anything in the playoffs. I like I said earlier on this podcast. I think Milwaukee's playing as well as they're going to play. I don't think the Raptors are playing as well as they can play. So, I mean, I I, I got to see them in the playoffs. I want the game just changes in the playoffs. Like I um. Glenn Davis, a Boston Celtics legend, was once on a on a podcast, and he was asked, "What's the difference between regular season and uh, postseason?" And he said, "Before every regular season game, you kind of get like a piece of paper that gives you a quick summary of a scouting report about your opposition. In the playoffs, you get booklets for every series, and that's that that just shows how different the playoffs are. Like teams are different in the playoffs, and I mean, I Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the Eastern Conference, but 
other than him, I think the Raptors have much better players around Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. I don't think that's a hot take at all. The Raptors beat Milwaukee once this season. I think it might have been even without Jonas or Kyle Lowry. I don't remember, but like Milwaukee's beatable. And I think if the Raptors can just play like they're supposed to, and we've seen glimpses of it, glimpses of it this year, I think they can compete against Milwaukee. Ideally, so for the first round, I think that Milwaukee will wipe the floor with Miami. Assuming things stay the same right now, I think they're, they're, that's going to be no problem for them. Um, I think Boston can beat Indiana, especially if they turn it on. Like you said, the playoffs are a completely different animal. If it comes down to Milwaukee-Boston in the second round of the playoffs, I am not 100% convinced that the Boston Celtics cannot win that series. Um, I mean, anything is possible. If something happens with the Celtics in the playoffs like it did last year, then sure. I just... I. It's really hard for me to see to see the Boston Celtics like really being able to compete against a team like Milwaukee or a team like Toronto, unless they just get a lot of things together. I think, like, who's going to cover Giannis in that series? Yes, yeah, yeah. smart. You know, Smart's their best defender. Yeah, but Smart is tiny compared to Giannis. That's why yeah. I really like a matchup between the Raptors and and the Bucks in the playoffs because I feel like the Raptors just have the best guys who can defend. Uh, Giannis, like yeah, Siakam. Siakam and yeah. Kawhi Leonard. I don't think any other team in the Eastern Conference has anything remotely close to that. And I think that's an advantage that the Raptors have. Yeah, especially with Siakam's speed to match up with uh, with Giannis. You just got to keep him out there on the three. Don't let him bury into the paint because if he does, he becomes deadly. But if you can isolate him to the outside, that completely eliminates a huge part in the Bucks game. Exactly. And I'm I mean, the the Bucks just added uh, Pau Gasol, and they have Brooks Lopez. Like, are, are guys really scared of those types of players now? I mean, Lopez can shoot. Lopez can shoot a little bit, but I mean, I I don't I'm not intimidated by him. I, Middleton's not playing that well this year. Like, yeah, he was an All Star, but look at his shooting numbers. He's shooting 42 percent from the field. You know, I think I think Brogdon's a really really good player. I think Meritich is a really great add. And I think Bledsoe is not bad, but I mean, we saw what happened to Bledsoe last year in the playoffs when he went up against Rozier. He was completely dominated by a little dude, you know? This and is I a think, team that uh, hasn't gotten out of the first round since Giannis has joined the team. There we go. And I think they obviously will this year, but I think Kyle Lowry is a really good matchup against a guy like Bledsoe. I think Danny Green is a really good matchup for a guy like uh, Brogdon or Middleton because I think Danny Green provides a lot on the defensive end as well. And then, I mean, you have guys like Kawhi Leonard and and uh, and Serge Ibaka and Pascal Siakam. Like the Raptors can switch on guys, and they can still you can you can see them at times this season where they can really lock get locked down on uh, defensively. Like uh, that game against Houston a little bit ago, when the Raptors were kind of sluggish all the entire first half, and then you see them come out in the third quarter, and you're like, oh my god, this is what this team is capable of when they just focus and just play play a little bit you know and if they can do that for 48 minutes like they're i i think they're the best team in the east yeah yeah i i I don't disagree i guess i just maybe i drank the uh the bucks kool-aid if it comes down to those two teams in the eastern conference finals and i would really like it for the bucks to get eliminated and the raptors to cruise because home court advantage especially in toronto that is huge. That is huge over teams like it, whether it be Philly or Indiana or Boston, assuming one of those teams would go on to beat the Bucks. That is something that would be humongous for the Raptors. And I think 
honestly, selfishly, if it's a Raptors, Boston Celtics, Eastern Conference Finals, first of all, I think that's way more entertaining. One, especially for the NBA, like on TV for the league, that is way more entertaining. And two, it gives me a chance to go to that. So it's, it's beneficial for me. Uh, but just to play devil's advocate, uh, devil's advocate, I think Giannis is just becoming one of the big stars in the league. So I, I think a Milwaukee final series would be a lot better for the league. But at the same time, just going back to your earlier point, if the if if the Raptors can win a game on the road in the playoffs, then do they really deserve to be in the NBA finals? Yeah. You know, if you have to play against the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern conference finals, yeah, you're going to have to beat them at least once on the road. And I mean, you want to be an NBA, you want to play in the finals against the Warriors or whoever is going to make it. Like you got to do that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, well, let's let's move on. And it's sort of on the same line. Um, it, it relates to round one a little bit. We touched on it just briefly, but I kind of want to bring it to the forefront. Um, I want to talk about that Cleveland loss because I think that fucked with a lot of people's perception with the team. And when you have losses like this, there's this recency bias, even though they won against the Lakers, there's still this recency bias applied to the team. We've been talking about how things don't kick into gear into the playoffs, and I agree with you. And I think these regular season losses mean a lot more to the fans than it does to the team, um, you know, fighting aside. But does these types of losses against teams that we should be dominating, mm-hmm. like Cleveland, and if you have a team like maybe Brooklyn in the first round going up against Toronto or Detroit, does those mistakes being made in the games against Cleveland or those mishaps, those mental errors concern you for the easier rounds of the playoffs with this team? Um, not, not too much to me because that's, that goes back to how I think the NBA season should be a lot shorter. Like you're trying to get these guys to engage every single time they're on the court for 82 games that at the end of the day mean nothing. Kawhi Leonard, like I said, Leonard thinks it's an 82 game, 82 games of practice. I don't, I think fans, worry more about the losses and they kind of don't they don't look at wins as equally if that makes sense like they care about the losses so much like they just fume over it for days and then the raptors go come out and play really well and they're like oh yeah cool they're supposed to be like that but like for example when i watch raptor games and when i watch sports in general I just kind of look at certain parts of the game and just see, okay, this is what this team can do. Just like in in the Houston game, like you watch them play in the third quarter and you're like, okay, this is what this team is capable of doing. That's, that's their peak. I mean, they shouldn't be losing to a team like Cleveland, but I mean, game, game 66 of an 82 game regular season against a Cleveland team. Do you think the Raptors are going to care about these sort of games? This, this, this game's not going to help them in any way. They're, I think they know that they're going to be second place no matter what. I think all they care about is staying healthy. And just for them to come out every single day and play like they're supposed to, like, I mean, who does that? The Warriors just got a loss to the Phoenix Suns. They don't care. You know, I, I don't put too much emphasis on those kinds of losses. And I think fans should care as much about wins as they care about losses like they kind of lose their minds against games like that but then they just don't even bat an eye when the, when the raptors beat the lakers you know yeah i don't know if that's indicative to raptors fans in general that when things are bad 
the emotions are amplified. Whereas I'm not sure that if there are legitimate Golden State fans out there, when they lose to the Suns, they're panicking, right? But if the Raptors lose to the Cavs, fans are panicking, like hardcore panicking. I, I feel like it happens and for every fan base. I, I'm sure it happens with the Celtics whenever they lose to a, tr- a shitty team. I think that's just across all sports. Yeah, perhaps. Um, when it comes to the play, like on the floor play, I'm not really concerned. Like you said, I think they kick another switch up into the playoffs and it's a whole different beast. I do have concerns with how Nurse is with the rotations. And and I know it's it's fun to see him mesh with them. And I know it's, it's fun to see different lineups out there. Um, but I do have my concerns. This has been a longstanding issue on this podcast, his inability to call timeouts quicker, right? It, he'll allow the teams to go on these long runs, the opposition that is, and then he'll call a timeout and it's sort of buried. Um, he'll leave players that are just not feeling it out there a little longer. And I know you want to lend rope to your veterans to try to fall into a groove, but in the playoffs, these things can't happen, right? The margin of error is so small in the playoffs and he can't allow to give this type of leeway and leniency to his player. So I'm hoping that he's aware of this and I have no doubt that he, he is because he has won championships, not NBA championships, but he has won championships before. So maybe he's, he's of the mindset that these types of things need to be tightened up. The leash needs to be a little, uh, pulled a little tighter and I can't be lenient towards players when they're sort of cold. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand that, and I'm sure in the playoffs things are going to get a little tighter, but I mean, stuff like this, Greg Popovich does it all the time. He keeps his players out and doesn't call a timeout when he should just to give them, like, kind of give them more trust and go like, okay, guys, you put you put yourselves in this hole, climb out of it uh, sort of thing, and I think Nick Nurse is doing the exact same thing, and I might sound like I'm all over Nick Nurse's dick right now, but here's the thing. I'm... I'm and a lot of pressure is put on the coaches, but I'm more on the side that you got to hold your players accountable. Um, I mean, same thing goes for baseball when a lot of a lot of Jays fans just shit all over John Gibbons. I'm like, no, you got to kind of hold the players accountable. They're the ones that are going out there and holding the, the baseball bats. Same thing here. I I think in the in the in the regular season, you kind of got to give these veterans a little bit more rope to kind of climb out of the holes because you're trying to see what they can do. And it, when um, kind of the adversity uh, jumps up a tick, you know, because there's going to be a lot of adversity in the playoffs and you kind of got to see which guys are able to rise to the occasion. So, I mean, if he waits like one, two plays too late to call a timeout in the regular season, it's not a big deal for me. I mean, I've seen, like I said, pop does that all the time, but nobody really bats an eye because it's Greg Popovich. Um, so, I, th- I think Nick Nurse is doing fine. I mean, the, the team's like 50 and 20, so that should say, say that he's doing a fairly good job. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens in the playoffs, because in the playoffs, I agree, if someone's cold, like, what are you doing? But in, in the regular season, I, I mean, give the guys a little bit of rope. See what they can do. You're, you have a re- very talented team. Like, this is a very deep team. This is probably one the deepest team in the Eastern Conference. Give them more ropes. See what they can do. See how they can climb out of the holes that they created for themselves. That's my thing. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I do think that there is some value into that, especially in the mental side, to have confidence in your players, especially your your veteran players. Um, but there are just times where it seems obvious to me that players aren't feeling it more than others. Um, or when a player is falling into a groove 
it's sort of the opposite, right? For instance, this past game against the Lakers, Norm was feeling it. And I feel like Norman Powell is the type of player that needs to have as much confidence as possible. And we saw what happens when he has a lack of confidence last year, coupled with injuries, of course. But I think the mental side of the game had a lot to do with his struggles. Whereas this year, he's sort of climbing out of that. He's be- he's better, right? We're familiar with this type of Norman Powell. And he was in such a groove in the second quarter. And I'm not saying stardom. But he should have gotten a lot more minutes, I feel, than he got. Even though in the third and fourth quarter, later on the third, rather, in a lot of the fourth, he did have a lot of playing time. But at that point, the game was kind of in the bag as as it was. So I just feel that when you have a player that's not one of your mainstays, right, not part of the starting lineup, and he's feeling it, I feel like give him the opportunity to succeed, keep him in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess so. Uh, I'm kind of on the fence with a guy like Norman Powell because – Depending on the game, I have no idea what to expect from this guy. Um, sure, he makes a l- better decisions with the basketball now. I'm still not completely sold on him. And when the playoffs roll around, I just don't know how much he's actually going to play. I I actually am. I, I kind of prefer Patrick McCaw to um, Norman Powell just because of Pat- what Patrick McCaw does on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And also, he kind of understands his role. He plays within himself. He ch- doesn't try to do too much. Sometimes when, I mean, when Norman Powell starts the game and he's 0 for 2, 0 for 3, that's when you see Norman Powell trying to do too much to get his game going, and that hurts the Raptors, you know. But with Patrick McCaw, he understands what he's, what, what his role is, and he kind of does whatever he, it takes to help the team. Um, so, I mean, in the playoffs, you got to be really, really careful of uh, where you put a guy like Norman Powell simply because you just have no idea what you're going to get, you know? Yeah, and I think McCaw is uh, serviceable if they want to tire out teams because players like him and Siakam are super fast, super fucking fast. And if you can tire out the other team, like hands on the knees just ready to pass out that is huge and you're seeing the Raptors do that a lot there are a lot of fast breaks a lot of long passes happening more frequently and I think maybe you'll that's be something that they'll break out and use a lot more come playoff time with these quick players and I think that's where Marcus all fits in perfectly because he's just so good with those long outlet passes and then they have all these young guys who can run and they can run teams out of the building like Pascal Siakam is an engine like he's yeah. going to keep running. OG Ananobi, like he keeps, he's always running. Patrick McCaw, he's always running. Uh, there's just so much. There's a lot of speed on the court with the Raptors, especially when when they uh, they go a little, uh, they go smaller. And I I think just the Raptors can present so many different looks to their opposition, which that's that's why I'm not really worried about them until I mean until we're down two nothing in a series and I'm going to start freaking out. <laughs> Um, do you think that the Raptors have got this must win game one off their back that monkey? Because that was a narrative heading into last year into the playoffs and they finally did it against Washington. They hadn't won a game one since Vince against Philly. Um, finally did it against Washington. I'm just hoping that's not something that we're going to have to bring up again. I know winning game one is important, but I just hope that the narrative surrounding the Raptors history with lack of game ones wins isn't going to be something that we have to keep reminding ourselves. Uh, I mean, I have no idea. I, I have no answer to that question. I guess you kind of got to wait and see. And um, I think the team is quite a bit different than it was last year and the years prior, obviously, because Kawhi Leonard is now at the top and instead of DeMar DeRozan. Um, 
I'm just hoping the Raptors go out there and I mean, round one is going to be against a shitty team and right. they should beat them on their home court. So, and they have no excuses as to why they shouldn't. So they should, it's all in the playoffs. It's all going to come down to execution. No matter what lineups uh, Nick nurse runs out there, you just got to execute in the Raptor. I mean, realistically the Raptors should win their round one in four or five games. And that starts with winning game one. Um, all right. Well, speaking of Kawhi, I want to move on to the too sweet moment of the week. Again, this is the moment in which you just thought was too fucking sweet. You stood up or you screamed or you were like, God damn, that was awesome. Um, my too sweet moment of the week was Kawhi's buzzer beater heading into the second half. Well, just at the end of the first half against the Lakers, because you never see Kawhi show emotion. But when he when he does that little fist pump, you know, that means God damn, that felt good. Yeah, he's going to stay. He could be a Raptor forever. um okay that's actually a really good one um the one i was thinking about um i think it was against cleveland actually so some good stuff happened there um despite popular belief but because of all the questions about chemistry there's that one play um with the second unit on the court it was sparked by jeremy lynn and he was pushing the ball and then the ball kind of moved around like really quickly and it landed yeah. over um with og ananobi on the left side and he just drives to the basket for an easy dunk i think that's the type of stuff that the Raptors just gotta hang their hats on especially when they get blown out by teams like cleveland like when you go back into the office the next day and look at the tape uh once again and you just see plays like that and how the ball is moving you're just like okay this is good this is good the loss yeah it's not that bad but it's not that good but at the end of the day it's not going to hurt us in any way but it's important to take the things that went, went well out of that loss and i think just overall uh jeremy lynn might not be shooting the ball as well as i hoped but his IQ is off the charts. The way he moves the ball is really good. And that was a, a play that just shows how he just, he can run an offense for, with the second unit. Yeah, for sure. And it, it gives me a lot of hope for OG because he's sort of been a silent assassin this year. There's not a lot of chatter talking about uh, OG and how much he's improved since last year. Cause let's not forget last year he was getting over an ACL tear and the quickness, the especially the the side to side quickness, it's not really present. But now he's showing that he he has that versatility in his game, and I think that's going to be a useful addition, especially on the defensive end to sort of catch up. Even though he's played quite well against LeBron last year, um, having OG on your bench as a as a solid defender is going to pay off wonders for this team. Exactly, the yeah. Raptors have a lot of versatility, which is really really good, and uh, that's what the Bucks have as well. So it's it's going to be interesting. All right. Um, well, in order to get to the playoffs, we have to finish these regular season games. So let's do some predictions for the week, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, so Sunday, tomorrow, um, again, again, a home away from home game against Detroit. Uh, first night of a back-to-back. What say ye? What do you think is going to be the result of that game? I think they got to beat Detroit eventually, right? I'll, I'll, I'll get, the Raptors are going to get a W there. I they agree. can't losing to a shittier team no no and i don't think Kawhi's resting this game i think the raptors know that it, 
in order to be prepared for the playoffs, you sort of have to face playoff competition. And Detroit is falling into that category, uh, whether it be a seven or eight seed remains to be seed. Uh, but I do think that they're going to take a win against Detroit. Yeah. Um, then you got and Monday. Ka- good. Yeah. And Kawhi Leonard just had a lot of good food with Serge Ibaka. <laughs> you know, I kind of want to see a stat on how guys do after uh, appearing on Serge Ibaka's show. Like if they do really, really well the game after, that means like that food is questionable as fuck and somebody got to tell Serge. But if they do really, really well, Serge Ibaka better be like cooking feasts for this team uh, in the playoffs. This is going on a little side tangent here. This is very un like quote-unquote, in terms of how individuals in the NBA view him, like as a silent guy, this guy that doesn't like to be on the camera or whatever. And for Serge to bring him on show outside of basketball dude like literally has nothing to do with basketball yeah i think that's pretty telling i love it a great troll job i and the thing is fans think he's silent but every time you see his teammates get on a podcast or an interview they're always just like yeah he's one of the guys he makes jokes he's a funny dude so i guess we'll never know who Kawhi leonard really is <laughs> he's kind of like that dude in in you know courtside scrums after the game he's he just seems annoyed that he's just like Shut the fuck up. I don't want to deal with this yeah. shit right now. He is the Banksy of the NBA. <laughs> we never know. We never really know. Uh, imagine if he was this dope-ass artist. Yeah, is his name even Kawhi Leonard, or is it <laughs> not just what it says on his, on his jersey? Uh, perfect. All right, well, I, I do think that he's going to rest against the Knicks the following night in a back-to-back, but I still call that a W. Knicks are trying to lose for Zion. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a team that's really sticking to the game plan of taking as many L's as possible. Yeah. I'll take the Raptors there. All right. Uh, then they go to OKC on Wednesday, the first of two matchups against OKC. Not back-to-back. There is a travel day in between. So mm-hmm. um, make this quick. I have them losing at uh, OKC and winning at home. Mm-hmm. I'm the same. I think they're going to split that, and they'll, they'll win the home game. I'll take that. All right. Well, I I do think that, you know, despite popular belief, I do think right now Paul George is in the groove, right? And I do think after what happened to Westbrook, you, all he needs is a reason. All he needs is a reason to go off and to just shove it down people's throats. And I think what happened in Utah is that reason, right? And I do think there's a fire lit under this team. Mm-hmm. And yep. it would not surprise me if they made it all the way to the finals and took out Golden State. Yeah. Oh, uh, dude, on my um, on my podcast, we talked about which uh, Western Conference team has the best shot against the against the Warriors, and I said OKC. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I know my co-host said uh, Denver and Houston. I was like, fuck that, it's gonna be OKC because what I noticed with the Warriors and what you should notice with any NBA team is teams struggle against pace, and we saw it against the Lakers. They struggle when the Raptors went went small with Pascal at the five. The Kings, they're always kind of really, really close with the Warriors when they play. They always lose by like two, three points, but that's because the Kings have the second best best pace in basketball. Yeah. OKC, they're third. They always run. And, I mean, the Warriors, especially when they're, they they don't want to run with these guys. So I think teams with higher pace are going to be able to succeed against teams like the Warriors. <clears throat> Obviously, I think the Warriors are going to win at the end because they just have so much talent and they're so fluid with their offense. They're not bad defensively. But I think OKC has the best shot. So I'll agree with you there. All right. All right. So I'm not alone. That feels no. good. Good. No. Everyone else is crazy. So we're also, looking at a Raptors OKC finals, huh? 
Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I'd say <laughs> OKC Warriors in the semis and uh, Raptors Bucks and on the Eastern Conference side. And for all the Raptor fans going to the OKC game on Friday, uh, make sure not to say anything to Russell Westbrook or bad things could happen. Yeah, yeah, it's, we want to win that game. We want to at least seem like we're competitive for the playoffs. But <laughs> all right, that's gonna wrap it up. Um, this is your time to shine. You can promote literally anything everything you got going on you got the podcast you do some baseball stuff as well um i gotta get you back on here to talk jays that's a very uh mandatory thing that must happen but otherwise dude your twitter anything you got going on go for it floor is yours awesome well first of all thank you for having me on this podcast it's been awesome talking uh raptors with you um you can find me on twitter at Richard Burfs. Um, I talk a lot about sports a lot about baseball i'm a co-host for the ball and roll pick and pod and Otherwise, I do a lot of baseball stuff. I go to grad school at Brock University where, where I do a lot of pitching research. Um, I also work for the Evolution Metrics, which is a third-party scouting organization. So I do a little bit of everything. But, yeah, that's kind of my thing, and I'm probably going to get belligerent tomorrow because of St. Patty's. That's my plug. Oh, yeah, man. All right, well, look, you need to... Uh tomorrow you need to be safe right that's first and foremost but yeah. definitely get belligerent are, yeah. are you a, are you a guinness fan do you plan on just chugging guinness even if you don't like it do you feel the need to have guinness tomorrow no i can't do guinness right. I, can't do it. I i go with like most of canadians or coronas i can't do that i can't guinness just doesn't go down well do you guys have killian up there um i don't know killian's irish red I don't know. We might. We might. I just kind of stick to the classics, so I don't. I don't really branch out and try something new. Yeah. And I know I can't die. If I die, I mean, what are my co-hosts going to do without me? <laughs> there you we are go. mandatory, not to this world, but to the podcast world as well. There we go. That's my only commitment in life at this point. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it was great having you on. We should do this again sometime, whether it be Raptors or Blue Jays. But I appreciate you hopping on and uh, be safe tomorrow and take care. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors.